A good realtor will spend three hours a day calling. This is not your typical boring real estate show. This is real estate marketing redefined, uncensored, and unedited in what's working today in the market minus the fluff. This is Real Estate Marketing Dude, because just having a license isn't enough. Now, please welcome your host, the unprofessional professional, Mike Cuevas. All right, we are live. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. We are joined with someone that does a lot of transactions. I think you guys are going to get quite a bit out. But before we do that, let's wait for some wait for our listeners to tune on really quick. And I want to lay up exactly who our guest is. So you guys know who we're talking to. So I get a call the other day, and um, I think it was his assistant, someone in his office, like, "You gotta check this dude out." I checked the guy out. I'm like, shit, this guy's doing some business, like business to the tune of four hundred deals a year. He does have a coaching company, but he's one of the few coaches that actually still is in production, which I think is really cool because it seems like most coaches don't sell real estate or some of them have never even sold real estate. So I think that's important to take in in line. But he's not in the United States. He's in Toronto. And uh, just before we got on this podcast, I was asking him if if some of the disruptors are coming into his market. He didn't even know about them yet. So we're going to go through not only what's happening just north of us to our neighbors, but what the hell is going on? Because what he is saying is that things are changing in Canada and uh, whether you're leveraging system time or money, uh, things are changing and newer realtors and just the traditional model is just freaking dead. So we got to figure out what that is. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and welcome my friend Dan Plowman to the show. Dan, say hello to our listeners. Hello. (laughs) Um, Please go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Tell them who you are, brief scenario, and then let's get right on into the show. Yeah, I'm Dan Plowman. I have a real estate training coaching company. I still actively run a real estate team and I've been selling real estate since uh, November of 1989. I stepped away from the actual sales process once my systems and the team had built to the point where I could just continually work, you know, on the business and not being caught up in it. So I stepped out of actually listing homes and doing buyer offers and stuff seven, eight years ago. Uh, And since then, we've still managed to grow the team every year. And I think great systems will do that for anyone, whether you're one person or three people or 10 people. I take pride in that technology, people and marketing that we've leveraged so well to build a successful real estate team. And it has worked so well that we've managed to take those unique selling positions or opportunities that we've created for people and give them to a coaching company so people can use the same stuff that we use day in and day out to sell 400 homes a year so that they can pick up an extra 10 or 20 deals a year quickly and maybe leverage a team if that's what they want to do. Totally. Did you say you were, you've been licensed since 1989? November of 89. Damn, Dan is a dinosaur. But if you see Dan, if you guys are watching on video right now, Dan doesn't look that old. I mean, Dan, you probably look like you're 40 years old. When did you get licensed? When you're 14? No, I was 25. I'm 54. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you must be eating nothing but greens because you look great, bud. All right, let's get right on into this show, folks. We have a lot of disrupting going on in um, the States here, Dan. And I won't go into the ins and outs of that. The last few podcasts guys have been on that. Look them up. But what I do want to get into is what you see disrupting in your area and I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are things changing in Canada right now from the traditional model over the last five to 10 years? I think the biggest changes I've noticed, you, did you say five to 10 years? Yeah, or any recent change, an agent's role, I would, what an agent brings sure. to the table, all of that. Fun. Sure. I think the biggest changes I've noticed in the last two years, especially, because I think what happens now in two years used to take 10, and things are moving that quickly now. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest change I've noticed in the last two years is the 
attention to detail with regards to lead generation. The typical transactional real estate agent before would look for now business when they're converting leads. And I believe that 80% of our deals now come from the follow-up maybe even 90%, where three, four, five years ago, it was completely opposite. You could take a call, an ad call, sign call, convert it to showing somebody homes on the weekend, and you'd sell a home. It's completely different now. The consumer in Canada, and I expect in North America, we have coaching clients right through North America, I find the consumer today has so much access to so much information that during the, the process of the buying cycle, assuming that's 14, 16 weeks, they don't feel they need a real estate agent as early on, and they'll push us away. So with the right language and ability to convert, we can create follow-ups. I think the biggest change that most real estate agents that are going to be successful need to make is the understanding of the value and the gold that's in the follow-up. If we respect that and have a proper contact relationship management system to organize ourselves, we will do deals as a natural byproduct. But too many of us are still caught in that five, seven, 10 years ago where we're just looking for the now deal. Dude, I love that you brought up that point, you guys. And Folks, this is what's happening with Zillow and Realtor.com. So I have a lot of friends that are highly involved with Realtor.com. You know, big ad spend, tons of leads. But Realtor.com now said they're no longer selling their leads and they're going to turn it into a referral model, basically become the largest team in the United States. But you're exactly right. That is true. And here's the reason why I think that has happened. I bought a new car when I moved to San Diego. And I remember I went online and I started researching what type of car I needed, right? I need to get an extra row of seats behind me. So I filled out a form online and my phone did not stop fucking ringing for about two weeks full of cold calls from car salesmen okay which most people equivalent to realtors guys but bunch of car salesmen just non-stop the cheesy scripts 70 percent plus of them used on me extremely turned me off my right. experience from that very point was that i will never opt into any online form again for well, car sales or anything for that reason but that wasn't the case five or six years ago when you opted in at that time, I don't know, folks, if you can remember that far, um, our memory seems to be short and we think about consumer habits and consumer experience, but put your stuff in your own shoes. It used to be pretty cool that someone called me right away off of <laughs> opt-in online and I was more open to talk to them, but now it's just fucking annoying. I'm sorry. I agree. You know, I'm just annoyed by it, but do you believe that that is part of it? I, I believe that if the language and the understanding in our industry isn't designed to be specific, in other words, don't try to move these people right to a close like the salesman was doing with you in the car. Move them to a simple follow-up on how you're doing. If that relationship starts there, you've succeeded. And too many of us as salespeople think that we need to wear this sales hat and slam them into an appointment. And it becomes cheesy, as you said. Sure. I, can, I can assure you the days of the salesman in our, in our industry are gone. If you can understand what it means to be a consultant and wear the right hat of relationship building, you'll do extremely well. Money and deals are a natural byproduct of the right language and doing the right things. 100%. Well said. I 100% agree on all of that. Let me tell you who, which car salesman I actually closed with. The guy who texted me was the only one. He didn't follow up with a phone call. He followed up with a text. So it was an and, annoying uh, it, it was not annoying. And then I exchanged with a text. He sent me a little emoji. We built a relationship on text, right? And, and then all of a sudden, I, that was the only guy that I called back. And I'm like, this guy's human because he wasn't trying to sell me. He was just trying to answer my question at the end. And that was all it was. And that's so, 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 so true. So folks, you have to look at this stuff. You got to remember the average, even on the Facebook leads, like deals that come off of Facebook, go talk to Travis Tom. Go talk to some of the biggest Facebook guys in the space. And they'll tell you the same thing, that that client is six to nine months out. 
and not only generating their inquiry, but then generating your attention with follow-up and the attention around your brand and following it consistently over time is freaking everything right now. Absolutely. Let's dig more into this because I think this is important. And I like how you said that. I've been saying this for five years. We're no longer in sales. We haven't been in sales. I don't think, I hate selling stuff. I freaking hate it. I feel so slimy for so cheesy. Right. I hated selling stuff. I was, that's why I hate it. I, I sucked at prospecting. I couldn't cold call people because I always felt like I had to sell stuff. So I always attracted, I always built a brand and create content. But why do you say that we've gone into a service-based industry from sales? And I want to know, dig more deep into that because I think that's the very first push, right? I equivalent sales or the sales process a differently than I do dating. And it's just a relationship building process. But I'd, love to hear it, I'd love to hear it from you. Okay. So for, for me, the evolution of sales has gone from the old, you know, the old fuller brush, get your foot in the door sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, the you get slammed on your face, right? And, and from a consultant's perspective, the consumer is savvy today and an opportunity for knowledge before we even meet them. Most people don't need to know what the price of homes sold for down the street or what the value of their home is approximately. The real value that we as salespeople or now consultants bring is the opportunity to show people and express to people how your value surpasses this, you know, intellectual property of having the knowledge of the home sales that nobody else used to have. That's not enough anymore. We don't need to pick prices for people's homes anymore. We as consultants can position ourselves as people who have them with their agreements you know, realize the price of their home, but it's understanding and consulting them on the value that we really bring in the marketing and the expertise over and above things they can't do. These are the things and the reasons why people not only pick to work with us over others. This is also why in a market here in the just east of the Toronto area in Canada, where, you know, 65% of my listings last year, we got 6% commission on our listings where people are struggling to get four. And I believe in my heart, commission is only an issue in the absence of value, but that value has to be specific. And it's not something you sell to people. It's something you share with people and they choose whether or not they want it. I rarely have gone into a retail setting, picked up a, a coat that I absolutely loved and tried it on. And I rarely you know, I'll look at the price tag and say, I can't do that. Now, I appreciate the fact that I'm in a different position financially now than I was 20 years ago. But my point is, if it's something you really want, the values there, you'll find a way to get it. You'll find a way to pay for it. So I really believe that too many salespeople, too many real estate agents are still caught up in the old. And they're caught up in believing that, you know, trading time for money is, is going to give them more money. That's a poison. That's a really dangerous space to live in. We should be trading time for systems because it's systems that will create the understanding that when we have systems of value that we can present as a consultant to the consumer, we will consistently be able to deliver that message and build a business that's worthy of generating more revenue, more opportunities. Because let's be honest, the money is just a natural byproduct taking care of the client. And the yeah. client does not want, as you said, the sleazy salesman. <laughs> totally. They smell you coming, they smell you coming, they're going to repel you. <laughs> right. I love this point. So one of the guys I follow a lot, one of the man crushes I have, his name is Billy Jean. He does a ton of video work and uh, he's actually in the San Diego market, but the way that he positioned his business is pretty much on how you said it. And I want to, I want to even make it cause I, I think it's important agents understand that. And he says, okay. the amount of income you make is directly related to the amount of problems you solve. 
And I want you to think of that if you're in the position of being a commodity type realtor where you're just going to list it on the MLS or, and you guys call it a different thing, but the multiple listing service in Canada, and you're going to put a sign in the yard and you're just going to sit there and wait for a buyer to come and not really do anything else in the transaction. You're damn right. You only deserve, I don't even think you deserve 2%, but sure, that well, is the writing. That is the writing on the wall right now, folks. It's not about anything else. People don't care about what they're being charged only in the absence of value. And I'll give you another example. I love tacos. All right. And if it's at lunchtime, I might just go to the taco stand down the street where I could get tacos for $4. But if it's about dinner time and I want to have a margarita, I want to go enjoy a scene. I want to go to the ambience. I want to see the mariachis play a little bit. I'm going to go to a restaurant and get the exact same food, but I'll probably spend another hundred bucks. Okay. Based upon what I want to justify my time with them value. I don't see it any differently. How about you, Dan? I agree with you 100%. And until we start understanding the premise for which you just spoke to and making the change in our systems, we will constantly fight for scraps to miss one another. And that was the real difference. That was the massive paradigm shift that my business made. That was the ceiling of complexity I broke through as John Maxwell references. That was the change for me, was understanding who the consumer is and really what they deserve. Yep. Everything's been driven that way. And I know this isn't in your, in your market yet, but that's exactly how these rise of iBuyers have come into the marketplace. And there's a lot of them, folks. And what have they done? Well, they've taken the consumer process and they found a solution that fits right in the middle. Someone could sell their house and at the same amount of money as if they were to list it without dealing with the headache, dealing with the, dealing with the showings, dealing with anything else. And yes, that won't be right for every single person. But what they have done is they listened to what the consumers have asked and they created that solution. Right. right. And what I'm seeing here in the States is like, you know, there's a lot of flat fees. Is Purple Bricks try to infiltrate Canada and they get their ass kicked yet or what? Well, it's flat fee and they're not the first to come along and say, hey, you can sell your home yourself, put a TV, you know, fancy TV commercials up. But again, I, I you know, I reference back to the consumer knowledge and, and people do genuinely believe uh, that it's still best to at least interview and communicate with two or three options. Now, one of those options might now be a flat fee company because there's a new one on the block and there was last year as well. But generally speaking, they don't tend to last long because the consumer, again, will do their homework. I'm grateful that as one of the the top brand here in the Durham region, we're usually one of the people that are called in and, and interviewed, at least given the opportunity with some other large brands. And the odd one that is bringing those five feet or that five feet company in, it's not difficult to show them the value. I mean, when your average sale price is, you know, five to six points higher than the uh, board average, it's pretty easy not to take risk with regards to an extra percent or two. But statistics, when you're sitting where we are, makes it a little easier to leverage truth. Uh, Overall, though, the consumer, I believe, does believe and wants to believe that there is value in real estate still, in salespeople. There's still value here. It's really up to us not to screw that up, <laughs> if that makes sense. Well, we're doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> no doubt in my mind on that. Now, but what do you say to the newer agent, though? Like, I, No doubt, right? You've built a brand, no doubt, in, in your market. You're closing 400 homes a year, but I'm sure your signs are all over the yards when it's not a frozen tundra and uh, whatnot. But you know, what, how does a new agent do that? Do they join a team? Do they, you know, what's your advice for that? Yeah, it's well said. I mean, 
I think it's more and more tough. Things are moving quicker than they ever have. And there's there's certainly value in, you know, leveraging experience and knowledge from a team environment and certainly, you know, grasping that training that comes from all the value propositions and the scripts, the language, objection handles, buyer presentations, listing presentations. Nothing's going to replace those statistics that you might have attached to a mega team, if you will. But it certainly is a great way to catapult your, your opportunity for knowledge. And having said that, most people that join our team, and I say most, you know, they stay. I have people on my team here 14, 15 years that have been on, on the team. And, and I believe as a team leader, my goal is to provide them with a better platform than that of which traditional real estate offers. If Look, if oh, I yeah. can show them how to net more money every year and increase in knowledge, why would you leave? And, and eliminate expenses. Like a team leader really has a large responsibility to take care of these people to ensure it's not the same as a traditional real estate environment, which is really, for most part, brokers leasing and leasing space back to agents. That's really what it is, isn't it? Yep. Well, so it's, it's tough for the newer agent. It can be tough. I agree. I think that, you know, being on a team or being part of a team, I don't know how it's happening in Canada, but there's no doubt in the States that brokerages today have to earn their split. And I think that's why you have the rise of the 100% brokerages in the past five years, give or take. Right. If you're a brokerage, you're right. Uh, my business partner owns a huge brokerage, fastest growing in, in America. And he says that hit my, he goes, my brokerage, is I'm not a brokerage, I'm a customer service department for real estate agent. And that is honestly the way that he thinks, that's the way that he works, but it's also the reason why he's on the Inc. 500, you know? He puts it in there, and uh, one of our clients actually, when I said, termed this phrase to me, and it sticks to me, is something that Simon Sinek said, is that eaters eat last. Uh, I love that, right? Super, 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 super cool. Let's get into the concept of leverage, because I know that's something you talk about quite a bit. I'm gonna sort of take this from another one of our podcast guests, that was, you know, he's one of our clients, but what we're doing with him is he's, he runs a really great team. He's got 40, 45 agents on his team. And um, he really has brought the concept of corporate America into his team model. And he goes through the three stages of leverage with agents. One's when they're new and they have a lot of time, but not a lot of money. Two is when they start to do some things, but their time's not as free. And then three is ultimately leveraging people. So I want you to walk us through the term of leverage and uh, let's start with a new agent per se. And what do you mean by that? Because I do think that these systems that you're referencing, a lot of them involve technology, sometimes very expensive technology. And that's why the team model is growing. Well said. And, you know, as a team leader, to be able to provide about 35% of the actual deals that my partners, my field partners do is pretty amazing. So, you know, uh, they rely on that. They, they, they need that. And, and that's a big part of their business. So somebody new coming in the business that doesn't have past center of influence people or doesn't have the experience to go out and maybe, you know, do some open houses and, you know, shake up some clients from that. Um, if they don't have any skills or talent yet, the newer agent coming in, they literally need everything that we have. So to, to have them open their mind and listen to training with regards to scripts, value props, conversion, objection handles, and have a strong buyer proposition, we don't even allow them to see the listing presentation or learn it early on because we just want them to get their cash flow going, get some clients and get selling some homes. That'll come later. That's okay. But at that point, we're then able with our inside sales agents who are converting online leads to appointments for our field reps, they're able to meet people more quickly than you normally would in the business, build a business with buyer agencies, show homes, and do some deals. So basically the same reasoning that you have to justify your value to an agent trying to join your team, we also need to justify to sellers trying to list their freaking properties. I agree. Yeah, well said. 
Let's talk a little bit about USPs and or whatnot. I know this is a major thing and we sort of touched on it a second ago talking about, um, you know, if your listing plan is let's put it in the sign in the yard, let's put it on the MLS and just cross our fingers and pray for a buyer to show up eventually, but never talk to the seller in between, of course, you know, what is a good USP? Like what's a good USP for you guys today? Because I agree, knowledge is one thing, but is there anything more? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, working with a lot of individual coaching clients right across North America, one of the biggest things we talk about when a, an individual who feels like they're being, you know, they're competing against teams, they show up on a listing presentation and the client tells them, oh, I interviewed so-and-so last night, they almost feel defeated before, deflated before they even get their value prop out because they know they're not getting the listing. So yeah. one of the big marks that the individual real estate agent is missing is most of them belong to large firms, like your buddy who has the big brokerage, the large company, one of the fastest growing America. Everybody in that firm should be leveraging everyone's stats. That becomes your team. There's nothing wrong with leveraging the fact that you work on a team. And, and can you imagine the stats that come from an office of three or 400 or even 100 people? I did that when I started. Exactly. I leveraged, but I didn't ask my broker that I knew that. Like I leveraged, though, I'm, I had to use their stats because I didn't have any, right? But keep but going. I had to do that. that. Totally. That's a good but way. Most, to most individuals miss that mark. They don't realize what's available to them. And your broker would happily support the fact that you're, you're boasting about the office. Yep. You know what I did when I first started in real estate? It's 2002 was my first year as licensed. 22 years old, never sold a house yet. Who the hell is going to take me seriously, right? I was doing a keg stand a week before I was selling real estate in college. After you know, I graduated, I'm Michigan Avenue walking down the street. I'm like, how the hell is someone going to trust me? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I just got out of a keg stand. I just right, riding your bike. Yeah, riding my bike. Who's going to trust me to sell a $400,000 condo? But I'll show you guys something else. Is the other way that you compete and you establish a value proposition is nothing more than just good old relationship building because at the end of the day you will get hired if they like you over the guy who's better than you I'll share the story so I remember going up against a top agent in Chicago I mean this guy crushes it this guy does like 400 million a year insane this dude's walking in he had the listing appointment so I got a referral from a friend and these are little customer service touches guys you get a referral from a friend it's like a $300,000 condo and I'm all nervous right going to go over there. It's I've only got like five listings at the time. It's probably like 10, 12 years ago. And um, I show up and when I get there, my friend's there. I'm like, why is he here? Why is my referral source here? He goes, don't worry. I had him cancel every other listing appointment he scheduled. One of those was with the big heavy hitter I'm talking about. So what did I do? I sent the referral source fake $100 bill and a $10 brownie gift. And I said, thanks a million, bud. Appreciate the referral. Because I did that touch, the referral source, he called his best friend up and made him cancel all the other listing appointments. Wow. Now, I can't tell you that same referral ended up leading into several more transactions in the last two to three years, which resulted in about 75K plus net for our team. So wow. just that little touch, right? And that's what I want to talk about is these little touches of how you make people feel throughout the course of the transaction. I think we need to improve on our experience overall, or I don't know what the point is of using an agent. I think that's something that has absolutely gone by the wayside since I've been in it. Um, no doubt. 100%. I think like the old sales approach, people would listen and remember what you said. And that's not the thing today. People don't remember what we say anymore. They remember how we made them feel. And the right. fact that you said what you said about relationships resonates. Everything that we do here, we understand when a lead comes through on an online pay-per-click or a source from an online source we paid for, whatever. We understand that seven to 10 touches of communication is quite often very common before we even get the chance to have an appointment with these people. But the nice thing about that is 
as you said, the relationship, believe it or not, is already partially forged before we meet them. And the really cool thing about those leads, when when we when you when you incubate them properly, like I said, seven to ten touches. What's really cool about that is when you do meet these people, they have no interest in competing or, or interviewing other people. You're you're not competing. You've, they've already decided. Yep. So it's kind of cool. What's the? Do you know the percentage of? Uh, yeah, here's the same thing: six to nine, seven to ten touches. What's the percentage of people that convert there? Because it is the overlying majority, and I have a point to make after that. Do you, do you recall off that offhand? Say it again. The percentage of people that convert or actually get appointments set after the six to nine touch, and it's not just in real estate; it's in any business. We sign eight out of ten buyer agencies that we sit in front of once the appointment's been booked, and I would say seventy-five percent of those appointments have been talked to over six times before they get the appointment. There are some that are ready further along in that buying cycle that are ready that will meet us, but those are like those are like laydowns. Those are fun. Those are like Uncle Joe referred you. They don't happen every day. You can't rely <laughs> on those anymore. There's yeah. not enough of those. <laughs> so let's dig into that. How do you stay in touch? you know, what do you do? And I've learned this lesson the hard way myself. Like I, we, we brought on a client this week on someone I didn't follow up with well enough. And he yelled at me, he's a real estate agent. And I'm doing his brand. He's like, dude, sort of annoyed. He didn't follow up with me when you said you were like on Monday. I'm like, I thought I was being annoying. Shit. I should have followed up on this guy. Right. And it just brought me back down to ground zero. It just shows that we're always learning. Right. So walk me through that. Like what are the, what is the touch system? Can you share that? And because people well, don't know I, what they do. They, they're like, I think technology to today, yeah, technology today for real estate salespeople. I mean, we're at the point now where we should have a contact relationship management system that doesn't allow leads to follow. So if you, you get called out golfing one day or you're sick for a week, whatever was on your daytime, it should automatically push forward. And because it doesn't, we quite often live in the now and we ignore what we missed and it just becomes whatever. And we just kind of knee jerk our business all the way through every week. And, and we wonder why we get the results that we do sometimes. With a really good system like contact relationship management system. We use real estate flow here. Real estate flow is, uh, in my opinion, built by realtors or realtors that allows those leads not to be dropped, allows them to tag. So my recommendation to answer your question is, if you can find the right technology that works well for your leads, not only will you have more confidence in generating more leads, knowing they're going to a safe space, you won't drop people and you will do follow-up properly as you set it and have the proper notes. Totally. Are you guys using text a lot? Are you guys doing video text? Are you using video email? Log me through some of the actual touches. How are you getting, what are the personal like touches? So most of our follow-ups are, first of all, permission. There's a language to use properly to gain permission to follow up with people. And then there's a sequencing and a time to do that. If somebody says, you know, yeah, touch base with me in six months, we always cut it in half because nobody ever remembers six months. Just <laughs> <to> <laughs> and yeah. there's nothing worse than following up with somebody in six months and the sign's already on the lawn. But there's the sequencing, there's the language, there's the permission to get the follow-up. And we use live people, uh, licensed inside sales agents, 30 hours a week, six hours hours a day, 40,000 hour, and they're constantly on their follow-up. About 90% of their calls in a day is the follow-ups, 10% is new lead gen that comes through the system. So that's the, that's the career and that's the profession. Now, I've built it to that point prior to having an inside sales department. I was doing that myself. We had three agents when I started the team, and as I grew from one to two to three, we were doing that. We were doing that conversion. We were keeping track of it, although I will admit I'm not the best for it because I'd have sticky notes in my car roll down the window, and as I was driving, I'd lose clients. They'd fly out the window. I know there's people who better profile for that, and that's why I have licensed people that look at that career as a career, and they do a much better job at it than me. Now, having said that, you know, I'm not best at what I do, which is with the clients. So it's all where do you put the best people in the best spot as well. Well, right? 
No doubt. That's a good point. Segment into 90% folks. Do you hear that? How many people are in your sales team? How many ISAs you have? So last year we had three full time and we had 11 field rep partners. We just went through a massive hiring campaign, recruiting campaign. We're moving from about 3,400 square feet to 6,000 in the next month. We're renovating that now. So we're in a massive growth spree. We want to get to five, 600 deals a year in the next 24 months. So, but last year we did uh, 400 ends with 11 field reps and three ISAs. You know your numbers, though. You know exactly how many calls they need to make to and create the lead, to get the appointment. Then you know exactly how many appointments are going to go with through it. But, folks, you could literally just take that math that he just gave you, and then you it, it, it breaks it down if you were to reverse engineer and you want to get really creative, or you could just call Dan and hire him. He could show you how to do it. Um, I appreciate but, the plug. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> very, very, very interesting. I want to talk a little bit about relationship building. And um, we've mentioned it a couple of times, talking about sales versus service. And... Uh, I remember when I had my brokerage, I had a brokerage, I remember hiring this one agent. He was the biggest surprise of my life. Guy walks in my office with sweatpants on. He just smoked a cigarette. He smelled really bad. Looked like he just rolled out of bed. I'm like, what the hell am I wasting my time with with this brand new agent, right? What the hell am I wasting my time with this kid for? He's not going to do anything. Well, this guy used to be a dating coach, all right? And he used to teach guys on how to pick up girls, essentially, at the bar. And uh, he did very well with it. Now, Two months later, he's there and I start seeing commissions come in. I'm like, dude, this guy is closing some freaking deals and he was converting deals off of Zillow and all of that. Now he's one of the top agents in, in the city or in, in his little market in the western suburbs of Chicago. And I was just like, gosh, Tim, how did you do it? And this is what he said to me verbatim. I'll never forget it. He goes, I talk about their dog for 20 minutes before I start talking about real estate. That's how it's done, son. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it was so funny because he understood how to relationship build to obtain permission to start talking about business. What are your thoughts on that? Like when someone gets a lead on the phone, what's the first thing you're saying? Well, it's funny, you know, we've almost in this conversation gone right to 360, right back to what we started with, which was totally. you know, sales approach. The salespeople are dying. We should be consultants. And I, I love that you understand the value of relationships. And I have a belief that I firmly pass on to all of my partners inside as well as field reps. And that is that every lead source or every opportunity that comes our way, I don't care who it is. If you're talking to someone at the gas station or if it's a lead that came online or somebody called off an ad call, you have three options with that lead. One is follow-up two is book an appointment, or three is dud it. And if somebody's brother is a real estate agent, I'm probably not putting them in my contact relationship management system. But if I can gain permission through a relationship or warming up in a conversation with that person to follow up with them, that is successful. That is a successful day. The more follow-ups I can be putting in, the more relationships I can be building every day, that's where my focus needs to be. Not on the close of how many sales that I get today. You see, the sales, the deals are a natural byproduct of building those relationships. And our yeah. mind hasn't shifted yet from now business to how many relationships can I build today or this week? And the minute we do that, the minute that happens, everything that we do and all the language we use, like your buddy, will change naturally. Again, the deals are a natural byproduct of doing the right things and relationships are the key. Yep. Everyone lives somewhere, you guys. It's not a matter of if they move. It's a matter of when. In the States, that's four to seven years. So you could literally do the math. I mean, when we're branding and the way that we market is, is the same. It's so different than how you market real estate marketing, dude. I'm everywhere all the time. I have a strategic media calendar. I have an email list, a direct mail list. I have a social media presence. Each one of those platforms are just connected to people who are potential clients and or customers. And I make sure they don't forget who I am or what I do. And I do that through content creation. If you disappear and you're not around all the time, like 
no one's going to remember what you do when you're ready for real estate. So I want you guys to all sort of look around the room that you're in right now. Or if you're at the gym running on the treadmill, trying to work off those tacos from last weekend. Great. Look around the room. Every single one of those people right there freaking lives somewhere. And the stats are this 10 to 15% of them this year are moving. Most of them don't even know it yet, but at the same time, 100% of them have a referral for you and they could refer you to their business. The question is, are they both of them relate to top of mind brand awareness of if you even exist and don't think everyone remembers what you do for a living because they don't. Well said. There's no money in being a secret agent unless you work for the FBI. That's correct. Yep. So, like, <laughs> build your list, folks. Yeah. That's what Dan's saying. He's like, when you're coming across a contact, like, let's just say your old frat buddy or your old college roommate you haven't seen in 10 years, and you're like, what's up? What's new? Get their direct mail address. Keep in contact with them. Get the email address. Start sending them holiday greetings. Folks, just stay present. I just gave this example the other day, or I think it was earlier today. So we have Facebook now, right? And it's been the best tool for real estate, I think, ever, because it allows us to keep in touch with so many people. So here's the question. How many people do you keep in touch with? And well, you're 54 now, Dan, and let's see, what was a, let's say the last house you lived in, your old neighbors, you probably haven't spoken to or seen in X amount of time, but they're on their Facebook. You can see their kids growing up and all the, all yeah. the, now, if you were to walk past any of those people in your old neighborhood, you'd probably be more likely to still say hi to them, even though you haven't spoken in five years. Agreed? Sure. Yeah. Now, let's pretend you went five years without seeing pictures of them, without seeing their kids grow up, and then you walk across in the same spot in the grocery store. Do you even talk to them anymore? Disconnected. Absolutely. It's a problem. Folks, stay in touch. The only way you can do it is staying in touch with your people systematically. Cool. Well, what other points you want to make, Dan? We'll get this thing wrapped up right at about that half hour mark. I just think it's great you went down the path of relationships, and I do believe it correlates directly with consultants as opposed to salesmen. Uh, I don't even like the fact that we're given that title from our governing bodies. Uh, I wish they'd call us relationship experts personally, and I really believe, I genuinely believe that deals and the business that we so actively seek and go after, we're just too far down the path with our mindset. Stop looking for the money. Stop looking for the deal. Stop looking for the now business. That's a natural byproduct to just build in those relationships and being organized in them, being organized, keep great notes, care about people. Genuinely, people remember how you how you made them feel. They, they won't remember what you say. And, and if yep. you genuinely, and I think that's the funny part about this. Most salespeople really do care about people. We just don't know how to organize it and actually feel confident in building those relationships and doing it. It's really not difficult. You know, we, and the fact you're talking about it, this is how our business will evolve. So I'm really grateful today that we have this opportunity. Thank you. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I want to go ahead and give the floor to you, Dan. At the end of the show here, we, you know, let make sure our listeners know how they can reach you. They can contact you or anything. So I'll go ahead and let you go ahead and plug your stuff. Well, Dan Plowman Coaching, we take pride in helping the individuals as well as the mega teams. We have clients right across North America. Great track record. But if you just go to danplowmancoaching.com, we can help you with everything. That's the best way. Place Cody, danplowmancoaching.com. And uh, we can answer any questions uh, and we sure will help direct in any way we can. We're 100% committed to helping make sure that you can grow your business naturally doing more deals and listen if I were to pick a coach or anyone who's going to help me train me to do more deals because I've had a lot of coaching experiences through the 80s and 90s I want to make sure a they're selling more homes than I am and b that they're actively working in today's industry and I appreciate you having said that at the start of this cast but I know for a fact the fact that we're in the trenches doing this every day the relevant information that we're able to bring you to help ensure that you're going to pop some more deals every month it's there it's real but Dan Plum and coaching we'd love to help you thank you cool thank you for your insight to Dan today 
day. And folks, thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. Folks, you know what we do. It's very easy to find us, realestatemarketingdude.com. We create your brand through video content and make sure no one in your local community or database forgets about who the hell you are. And we do that through creative content creation, but can through consistency. That's how it always works. That's how it works in any business. Feel free to go ahead and check out our site. There's a ton of uh, training on it. Go ahead and take the free training on how to become the digital mayor of your town and or whatnot. But thank you very much for listening. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. Leave us some love. Show some love. Leave us some stuff in the so in the, ah, I can't say it. The iTunes, what I don't even know what the hell they call it. Write me a note, whatever. All right, folks. Thank you again. Stay tuned for next week for another episode of Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. Peace and everyone have a good day. Bye-bye. Today's episode may be over, but we have plenty more to keep you busy. To get your complete blueprint for building out a real marketing plan for your real estate business, head over to realestatemarketingdude.com and see if you have what it takes to really become more than just a typical agent. Are you the next real estate marketing dude? Find out here next time on Real Estate Marketing Dude.